Tech Talk. Tech Talk. With Jess Kelly. This, this is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, we'll talk through Samsung's new foldable phone lineup, which looks incredible, but will cost you a pretty penny. Mark Cavanaugh will explore the OnePlus range. Are they really worth the hype? And Dermot Gavin will join me to talk through his life in tech. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. Uh, So this week kind of was all about smartphones. Uh, Samsung held its autumn unpacked event and rather than giving us a new note phone, which was the done thing uh, at this time of year for the last few years, that was the phone that's it was often called a phablet. So it was a large screen and had an S pen. Instead of that, we now have two new foldable phones. There is the Samsung Galaxy Z or Z Fold 3 and the Galaxy Z Flip 3. Um, The launch event was it was a remote one. They're all still being done online at the moment. And it was very well produced uh, with different pre-recorded presentations. And it was great to see Connor Pierce, the Irish man who's the head of Samsung Mobile in the UK and in Ireland. He introduced the Z Fold 3, which is the flagship in this lineup. For those who've never seen any of Samsung's Fold phones before, the, the Fold is the one that looks like... So if you look at it face on, it just looks like a standard smartphone. If you look at it from the bottom, it looks like two phones sitting on top of each other. But the beauty of this phone, uh, so says Samsung, is that if you are looking at the main screen and you want to, I don't know, see something in more detail or if you want to increase your productivity or enhance your viewing experience, you can open the phone out. And instead of having your little standard smartphone screen, you're getting this big, beautiful, very thin when it's all folded out uh, screen to, to view your content on. It looks pretty incredible. Uh, here is how Connor unveiled the Z Fold 3. It's been two years since we launched our first Z Fold. And in that time, we've learned that Z Fold consumers use their cover screen about as often as they use their main screen. So we made sure you get the best experience on both displays. When closed, Z Fold 3 looks and works like a standard smartphone. So you can do all the things you already enjoy like messaging your friends or playing your favorite game on the way to meet them, all on the cover screen. You can glide across your screen as you scroll through with 120 hertz refresh rate. These high quality visuals continue on the main screen, which has the same refresh rate and dynamic display, resulting in a seamless experience as you open and close your Z Fold 3. Most people are happy with their standard smartphone experience. So why change a good thing? Well, when closed, the Galaxy Z Fold 3 gives you the full benefits of a regular smartphone. But when you unfold, at 7.6 inches, Z Fold 3's main display delivers a tablet-like experience, all on a cinematic screen. It provides you with an uninterrupted viewing experience so you can stay fully engaged with your favorite content. Sometimes, your camera's punch hole creates a blind spot on your screen. So, for the Galaxy Z Fold 3, we've changed the pixel array using the minimum amount to increase the viewable area. 
the world's very first foldable with an under-display camera. This will transform how you experience content. When you're using the camera, like when you're unlocking your phone and taking a photo or video calling, the punch hole is visible and the camera can see out. When you're not using it, you can game and watch videos on a truly immersive display. And with high quality visuals, you'll want high quality sound to match. Galaxy Z Fold 3 stereo speakers deliver multi-dimensional sound with incredible spatial effects. So no matter where you are, you'll feel like you're at the center of the action. We've enhanced how you experience your apps. Let's take something you do every day, like texting your friends. Before, you had to close one chat to open another. Now, it's optimized for the large screen, like a tablet. Connor Pierce of Samsung there explaining the form factor of the Z Fold 3, and I have to say, I was a bit skeptical of foldable phones when they first came out. They're definitely bulkier when they are folded. There's no denying that. Um, and I'm still not sure how much I would use the bigger screen. I just, I have a tablet and I love my tablet. I did like the Note range of phones. I just don't know on a day-to-day -day basis how much or how often I will, you know, unfold the phone. One of the issues I know uh, you'll be questioning is the durability of the phone. Samsung reiterated quite a few times during this launch event that these devices are built to last. But the notion of dropping the Z Fold 3 or letting anything happen to the two screens on this device does freak me out a bit. Uh, but I think this is a case of, you know, time will tell in terms of the durability of the folding screen. One point I do want to mention about this phone, um, particularly if you were a fan of the Note range of devices, is that this new uh, foldable phone will work with the S Pen. So if you are someone who likes jotting down notes on your phone, you know, highlighting things, if you're signing a lot of documents, anything like that, the S Pen will work with the Z Fold 3. So that is good news because it does seem like the Note range is kind of MIA. Uh, there's no word on whether or not it will come back. The other device that Samsung launched during the week, which I actually think will appeal to more people, um, is the Z Flip 3. Now, I described it to somebody here in the office as a poly pocket phone, which is absolutely unfair. It's more like a modern version of the old Motorola Razr phone. Um, so remember those little flip phones? It was very sleek. It was incredibly popular. I actually still have my one at home because I'm a hoarder. But anyway, when it's unfolded, the Z Flip 3 looks like a standard smartphone. It has a beautifully big screen uh, that has all of the screen qualities that you would want from a Samsung phone. But then you can fold it in half and you have this lovely finish on the outside to protect scratches or anything else like that happening to your screen. Here's how Charlotte Burton from Samsung announced the device. Our foldables are made for people who want more than just a good experience. They want a phone that delivers exceptional experiences. They want something great. Galaxy Z Fold 3 unfolds to reveal a large screen, full of possibilities. But some people want a flexible display that provides a smaller and more compact smartphone. If that's you, we've got you covered. Introducing the Galaxy Z Flip 3. It's our most stylish smartphone yet. We've designed the Galaxy Z Flip 3 to make a statement. It has a sleek body and a compact design when closed, 
so you can easily fit it inside the back pocket of your jeans. And when it's shut, you'll see we've integrated the cover screen with the front camera, creating a truly seamless look. The Galaxy Z Flip 3 is compact, but now it has a cover screen that's four times larger, so you can conveniently access your favorite apps and widgets even when it's closed. That was Charlotte Burton from Samsung introducing the world to the Z Flip 3. As I say, I think we'll see more of these in the hands of people uh, rather than the, the Fold phone from a four-factor point of view, like so the build of the phone, but also the cost. So I do hope you're sitting down as you're listening to this now because here are the prices for the new phones from Samsung. So the Z Fold 3 which is the one that we mentioned at the top of this piece, is €1,899 for a 256 gig uh, storage version, or you can get the 512 gig version, and that's €1,999. So that's a lot of money. Like, I think there's no two ways about it. It is a lot of money. Yes, you are paying for the innovation. You're paying for the quality. I just... If you are someone who buys their phones outright, two grand is a heck of a lot of money. But we get to this, the, the flip version of the phone. So it's the Z Flip 3, which again is brilliant innovation. It looks great. It has all the technology inside to make it a very, very powerful phone. The 128 gig version of that device is €1,099. And then the 256 gig version is €1,149. So again, it's not cheap, but a lot of these flagship phones are in and around the €1,000 mark. So if you are looking for the height of innovation, if you are looking for something new from your smartphone, uh, this range could well be for you. I'll have a full first impressions breakdown of the new devices on Tuesday's Pat Kenny show. And I'll be taking a closer look at both of them on Tech Bytes, which is our new YouTube series. You can watch the first two episodes. Uh, they are live now on YouTube. Just search for News Talk on YouTube. Hit subscribe and you will see all of our videos there. The first video I did was the iPad Air versus the iPad Pro 2021. Which one is right for you? And then last week we did our back to college range. Uh, we talked through three different price points um, and three devices to suit those price points, as well as what I believe is a key checklist for those looking to buy a new laptop. So as I said, you can find those videos now on YouTube. Just search for Newstalk. So there you have it. That was a bit of a whistle-stop tour through the new phones from Samsung. But if that's not quite up your street, stay tuned because Mark Havnett from The Star will be here after this quick break to talk through the OnePlus lineup and how they're pushing to make devices to suit every budget. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. Rate and subscribe. TechTalk at Newstalk.com is the email address as ever if you want to get in touch or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. On last week's show... Uh, we gave you the chance to win two phones from Tesco Mobile. These were devices very much suited to students. It was the Alcatel One and the Samsung A12. And I am delighted to announce that Denise Walsh from Waterford was the winner. She correctly answered that we are talking about megapixels when we say MP when it comes to smartphone cameras. Congratulations to you, Denise. And hopefully we will have another chance for you to win in the very near future. 
we're going to stick with the world of smartphones now. Um, as we talked about in part one of the show, Samsung had a big week unveiling their new devices. But not that long ago, OnePlus brought out their new Nord device. This is sort of their mid-tier range. And Mark Kavanagh from The Star joins me now. Uh, Mark, welcome back to the show. I always get questions about the OnePlus lineup. It's a range of phones that I think has a bit of a cult following. Before we talk through the Nord 2, will you just give us a bit of a background as to who and what OnePlus is? OnePlus was originally set up, I think, in either 2013 or 2014 by Carl Kay and Pete Lau. It's part of the BBK Electronics Group in China, which, if you were to combine the sales of all of its brands, Oppo, Vivo, Realme and OnePlus is actually the biggest smartphone manufacturer in the world, bigger than Samsung and bigger than Apple. However, BBK uh, markets all those four companies separately, so they tend not to be considered as a group, but they are all from the same stable and you will see lots of similarities between OnePlus phones and Oppo phones in particular. And likewise, you'll see a lot of similarities between Vivo phones and Realme phones. Now, we don't get the latter two brands in Ireland. They're two of the brands that we are starved of over here. But we do get Oppo. Thankfully, this year, they came into the market. And OnePlus, as you know yourself, has been around for a couple of years. Now, when, when they started in 2014, the first phone that came out was only available to purchase by invite only. It was a little bit like the, I can remember uh, when Gmail came onto the market, yeah. you could only get access to Gmail by invite. Well, OnePlus was a little bit like that. Um, when I first became a fan was, I think it was the OnePlus 3T was the first one I bought. Um, I remember emailing them and asking them, could I, I get a phone to review? And they offered to sell me one at a discount, which I took them up on. And I was very, very impressed. And uh, I suppose... In those days, they were known as, they, they, you know, they made phones that had flagship features at a mid-range price. Now, that has changed as the years have gone on. Um, in those days, OnePlus, initially, they only did one phone a year. Mm-hmm. Then it was two phones two phones a year. So you got the OnePlus 3 and you got the OnePlus 3T later in the year at Christmas. Earlier this year, we had the OnePlus 9 and 9 Pro. And later this year, I would expect, even though it's not confirmed, the OnePlus 9T. But they've they've started knocking out lots of phones in lots of different uh, price categories. So this year we've had four OnePlus devices already. The latest of which has just been released, and it's the OnePlus Nord Two. And so you know, like with Samsung, for example, we have the S twenty one range. Then we have you know the A range. They have different strands for different types of consumer. I assume that the OnePlus range is the same, and that the the OnePlus Nine is the flagship. The T might be the plus version, and then. And the Nord, is that sort of their mid-tier phones? Yeah, I suppose they've, they've what, what they're doing with the Nord and what they seem to be trying to do with the Nord is to go back to the original ethos of the company, which is to make flagship killer phones at mid-range prices. Um, I would argue that it's probably a little bit disingenuous to be calling this a flagship killer. It does certainly have some flagship features but it wouldn't have as many as 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 the likes of the OnePlus 9 or the OnePlus 9 Pro. Those phones have become flagships I suppose. Um, the 9 Pro is pretty expensive. I think in Ireland it's about a thousand euro but I mean it's got an excellent camera system. It's probably the fastest operating system and processor that you can get on an Android phone I think anyway from my experience and uh, the 9 is pretty good value. It's about 700 euro maybe a little bit less. And you get everything except for the the, the, 
the, the camera system is not quite as good, but you still get the same power and you still get the same speed and the same 65 watt fast charging. Now that 65 watt fast charging is in the Nord 2. And you've also got the same camera, the same 50 megs, megapixel camera that's in the 9 series. It's actually the same main camera that's on the Oppo Find X3 Pro, which is incredible because that phone is almost three times the price of the Nord 2. Um, I know us reviewers tend to go on about the versatility of cameras and in Nord 2, there isn't that versatility there really. You've got the main camera, it's an excellent main camera, but the other cameras you can kind of forget about. I wouldn't be impressed with the, the ultra wide on it or the, the third uh, camera is just a monochrome sensor. But that one, the, the Nord 2 now fits into the original sort of space that, that OnePlus did when it first arrived onto the market. And that is its flagship features at a mid-range price so i think it's 419 in ireland which is which is pretty impressive now the difference with this to a lot of other android phones is the processor which i suppose it's a gamble in the sense that it's the first time they've used a mediatek processor rather than a snapdragon processor the phones and the brand are renowned for their speed and their power so they're taking a chance on a new chipset, but in my opinion, it's paid off because it's absolutely fantastic. Now, Oppo used the MediaTek chipset on some of their lower to mid-range phones as well. And this one, I think it's called the Dimensity 1200A. It's got AI built in, but it is really, really fast, Yes. So when you were reviewing um, the new Nord device, uh, did you notice any of the, the lag or did you feel like you were using a 400 euro device versus a thousand euro device? Because this is something that I know people who aren't tech reviewers will struggle with. You know, if a phone powers on, if you can take good photographs, listen to your music and then use it as a communications device, that's kind of a lot of the boxes ticked. But did you feel that you were using sort of a lower end phone? No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, I take a lot of pictures. Um, I, I, I probably would would wish that there was maybe a zoom camera on it or maybe a better ultra wide angle camera on it. But that said, most of the time and most of the pictures I take are just using that main camera, so it does well. But in terms of speed and power, no, no difference whatsoever. It does not feel like a four hundred euro phone. It's it's you know I've got the the one plus nine pro as well, and the difference between the two is not as great as you might think. Mm. It's interesting. I, I remember talking to you a few years ago. I think we were at a Huawei launch. I think it was the first of the P range. So I think it was the P9. And we were kind of talking about how it's exciting to see what Huawei was doing at the time because they were infiltrating the Irish market. They were absolutely sweeping up the lower tier phones. They were making really good phones at a very affordable price. But obviously things have been shaken up quite a bit now. Huawei isn't as big a player as it was ever since it lost access to Google Play services. So do you think this is a real opportunity for Oppo and for the OnePlus devices to come in, particularly here in Ireland, and clean up? Oh, definitely. Uh, for whatever reason, the Xiaomi brand uh, doesn't seem to have much of a presence in Ireland. I know they did have a, a sort of a launch uh, a couple of years ago through 3Mobile, but uh, they haven't sort of released any of this year's bigger devices. Xiaomi, apparently, according to the latest figures anyway, have overtaken both Apple and Samsung. So they are now the number one Chinese brand. They've certainly stolen Huawei's march. But in Ireland and to a lesser degree, the UK, um, Oppo and OnePlus have a great opportunity. Um, Oppo in particular, I think in Ireland is already third place in the market, which is incredible given that it's only really entered Ireland in the last 12 months or so, but they've got some pretty pretty good phones in, in every category. 
OnePlus in Ireland uh, has a strange relationship. Most of their phones are sold directly. I know the Nord CE, which is the phone they released last month, it's, it's basically a core edition version of last year's Nord. It's like a stripped down version of it. And it that sells for 320 euro. Now, the guys in three have told me that's been one of their biggest selling lower to mid range phones this year but curiously three are not stocking the nord 2 if you want the nord 2 in ireland you will have to buy it directly from the oneplus website but given that the price is only 419 that's probably uh, affordable for for a lot of people and of course you're not tying yourself to a two-year contract which is never good mm. i'm really intrigued by the, the notion of just buying phones outright one of the best phones um that i reviewed in a long time was the google pixel 4a it's still a class phone all this time later do you think that how we buy phones and you know the notion of those long contracts is going to change or will the arrival of 5G and I suppose the the blanket coverage across the country of 5G will push people into keeping those long-term contracts? Uh, you, you make a good point with regards to 5G, but I don't. I don't think 5G has captured the public's imagination yet. Um, maybe because the network rollout hasn't been as speedy as it might have been. Uh, COVID has probably uh, hindered it in a lot of ways. But I, I live in Dublin 15. Now we do have fairly decent 5G coverage here, but. A lot of the time, the speeds you're getting on the network aren't much greater than they are on 4G. So I'm not I'm not sure the 5G element of what you just said will will come into play yet. I personally, for the last few years, have always encouraged people to to ditch the contracts and just buy the phone outright. You can you can do the maths and work out the price of the phone, and then add on the price of a SIM card. Uh, over a couple of years you can get a monthly sim contract that you're not tied to you can get them for as little as 30 euro less in in terms of some of the, the networks mm. and if you add that on to the price of the phone it usually works out cheaper than what you would have paid now i've had emails from car phone warehouse and some of the the network operators over the years saying that i'm incorrect and that it's cheaper to buy a phone on a contract but they never really come up with the evidence to prove me wrong yeah I, I would be in the same boat as you because particularly if you look at um some of the digital networks now so you've got clear mobile you've got gomo you've got even tesco mobile is very competitively priced I think if you, as you said, if you do the maths, particularly if you are buying um, a flagship phone, if you just buy it outright, get a 10 or 12 quid a month even plan from one of those digital networks, you do end up saving a lot of money over time. Uh, Mark, before I let you go, I want to ask you uh, briefly about the Samsung launch, which I mentioned at the start of the show. Um, We got a look at the phone on Wednesday of this week and it's another foldable phone. What do you make of it? Well, for me, what struck me most about this device, I, I am a fan of foldables. I, I kind of I marvel at the, the the engineering tech behind them. I'm not sure they're as practical in everyday use as smartphone manufacturers like to make them out to be. Um, I, I still don't see why you would need a tablet and a phone in the same device. But this one is pretty impressive and pretty stylish. It's got S Pen support. And that, for me, was the big story of the day that this means there's no Note this year. So the mm-hmm. Note series is gone. So now we have a foldable phone with a stylus replacing that. And I'm not sure how I feel about that because I was a big fan of the Note. That said, the Fold 3 from Samsung definitely looks like they've learned from, you know, a couple of the errors on the first phone and definitely the second one. And it's the best one yet. 
Huawei have been doing some pretty good foldable phones. I know we mentioned them already and, and you know, their star has fallen a little bit, but in terms of, of hardware, they're still leading uh, the camera system on the P50, which we're not unfortunately gonna see in Ireland this great. So the next Huawei foldable phone might be just as exciting as that Samsung phone, which was announced this week. One of the things I'm afraid of with the foldable phones though is the cost of the repair and the, the notion of getting it scratched or dropping it or anything like that. Because I imagine it's not going to be that affordable to get it replaced or fixed. Yeah, that's that's the nightmare, isn't it? I've only I've only I've only I've only dropped a couple of phones, and it was it was seriously expensive to uh, to get them fixed. Um, so yeah, I would imagine on the foldable, you're multiplying that by several times, and they don't look quite as slick or as stylish when you have the case on them. They look a little bit clunky, I think. Yeah, it kind of looks like a Polly Pocket. But anyway, we will have a full review of the new Samsung Fold Three on the Pack Any Show in the coming weeks. But for the moment, Mark Avnet, thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks, Jess. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. Rate and subscribe. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com is the email address as ever if you want to get in touch or you'll find me on Twitter at Jess Kelly NT. And I am super excited to have my next guest because he's someone that I've followed online for I don't know how long. Uh, I have enjoyed his Instagram lives over lockdown that inspired me to kind of get a bit of a greener finger. And we'll talk about that in a second, all the things I've killed. Uh, But he's also the host of a brand new podcast called Dirt. Uh, It's available on the Go Loud app or the News Talk app. You just search for Dirt with Dermot, Gavin and Paul. Uh, Dermot, how are you? I'm great, Jess. Lovely to talk to you. I'm very excited that you're on the show, as I said there, because um, I found your Instagram a great source of, firstly, relaxation, but also inspiration over lockdown. Uh, For those who don't follow you, tell us a little bit about how you used your social platform over the last 18 months and build up that really active gardening community. So in March last year, when the first and the very harsh lockdown started, I think on the first day, I rang a friend of mine, Paul Smith, who's a brilliant young craft gardener. And I told him that on Instagram, there was the ability to broadcast to people because we would follow each other and show photographs. And we were part of that wider kind of community of gardeners around the world. But the weather was brilliant. So I said, if we did something like press that button and went live for an hour every day during lockdown, uh, we could help people out. It was one thing that we could do uh, in, in a way. Weather being fantastic, a lot of people stuck at home, people sometimes understanding that they had a garden for the first time. Our people in inner city areas with just balconies or roof spaces or even windowsills we could help them on the road to gardening uh, for pleasure or gardening for their mental health or whatever it was. So we we started that March the 18th, as I say, last year, and it's thriving. It's been a very, it kept me sane. It mm-hmm. gave me, especially in those early days, some, I think, structure to the day because I was used to going at 100 miles an hour. And when everything stopped, it was very dramatic. So all of a sudden I had to prepare for an evening show every day and we've loved it. Yeah, no, it, it was one of those things that I uh, live in an apartment. I have a balcony. My mum and dad are down the road. They have a gorgeous garden and they are so into it. But watching your lives, it kind of gave me the itch. And all of a sudden I became somebody who now, still to this day, goes out 
first thing in the morning and has a little chat with my plants. I water them. I look after them better than I look after myself. Um, I, like they get fed and they get watered better than I do. But it is one of those things that, as you said, you probably never really think about it until you have the time to stop and the pandemic forces to stop and look at what was around us. What was some of the feedback you were getting? Because when the lives are on, you know, the comments and the questions come flying in a mile a minute. They do. The, the feedback was extraordinary. Um, first of all, we realized there were people all around the world from, you know, all over the States, Africa, uh, America, um, New Zealand, you know, people uh, listening in, watching in, doing a, a morning walk uh, on a beach, you know, in Bondi. Mm. It's extraordinary. So that the comment, it was very, very soon something extraordinary happened. The people who were watching became a community and they started talking to themselves and that became a, a very real thing and we myself and Paul were looking at that rather than being involved in that and it was a kind of joy to see unless you were trying to get across a very technical design question and they're all down the back of the class uh, chatting amongst themselves yeah um but that what we tried to do with it was keep the thing light-hearted and fun have Every time we broadcast some good gardening content, we'd run courses, we'd answer questions, we'd have competitions. Um, and, and then the other thing mad that started happening, Jess, was I'm in Kilmechanic in County Wicklow, and they found our address. And every day, every second day at least, a food parcel would arrive with oh. chocolate, coffee, beer, vinyl records <laughs> from these people from all over the world. It was extraordinary. Yeah, no, and social media often gets a bad uh, rep and I understand that and I get why that happens. But when I look at your community, we had Carl Henry on the show last week, Carl's community, once people bond together and there's no reason for hate, it's literally just laugh, learn and sure have a chat as you go along. There is something quite nice about it, isn't there? There, there really is. Now, I do think you have to be slightly strict. And we would remember during this period of lockdown, we had the whole George Floyd murder, the Black Lives Matter thing, and that affects everything. We were just coming out of the whole effect of the Greta Thunberg. And these were all issues that I would feel very strongly about uh, inequality and I would incorporate that and some people would complain we're here for gardening we don't want any of this political stuff or, or, or whatever so you do have to monitor it you do have to control it you do have to occasionally block but 99 probably 0.9 percent of people are there for the fun and they will forgive you your own issues or your own areas of uh, of interest and get on with it so it it has been an extraordinary delight and gardening is such a beautiful healthy and sedate thing and we you know add an element of silliness uh and anarchy and mayhem to to that so um they know what we're like now yeah exactly and of course you you now have a podcast as a result as well which is just going from strength to strength too we do we have a podcast called dirt with dermot and paul and that's been incredible uh we're, we've just we're about to record episode nine tomorrow and it's just been amazing we didn't know what we were doing obviously we went into the studio where you're speaking from mm -hmm. and uh they gave us an amazing producer uh aideen finnegan yes and she 
knew our Instagram broadcast, she got with the anarchic nature of um, a, a gardening podcast. And she's been absolutely brilliant. So we're learning an awful lot for, from her. But we do more preparation, let's say, from the broadcast. And we do our prep. We probably do more prep for the podcast. And the brilliant thing with the podcast is we can go out into people's gardens or into different situations out in the wild because we don't have to rely on good Wi-Fi or 4 or 5G coverage. (laughs) And that is a benefit. And as you said, Aideen, formerly of this parish, is just fantastic. So you have a a, a sort of five-star team there working on it. But the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was for our My Life in Tech segment, because although everybody associates you with the outdoors and nature, clearly you've embraced technology to kind of kick what you do on into a new dimension. But would you consider yourself a techie person in general? No, I'm hopeless. Uh, I don't <laughs> change the light bulbs at home. I'm terrible. I can't, I can't do other than digging. I can't do anything practical. So I don't put nails in walls. I can't cut a piece of wood. And I certainly can't figure out when a new video recorder, whatever things are that are used to says, arrive uh, in the house. So I just buy stuff. I cause loads of hassle and then I, I'm at the front door of this operation. And is that just because you, you've no interest in it or you just don't have the brain for it? I don't have the brain for it. Okay. I, uh, numbers confuse me. Instructions confuse me. Don't leave me with an Ikea flat pack. Oh, okay. We differed there. That's one of my favourite things to do. That relaxes me more than anything else. Do you, can you remember what was the first ever phone that you had? The first mobile you had? Well, ironically, it was one of the first because I was a tester for ESAT Digiphone. Ah. They were setting up their operation in Ireland. So they gave me one of those bricks and I had to, at the end of every day, I had to fill out a form where I had called, what the quality of the call had been like. So I had a brick before anybody else had a brick. What was the call quality like? It was all right. Yeah, it was all right. We were, you, you know, you weren't meant to call abroad, but I did. And that worked. And, you know, as a gardener at that stage to have one of these things, it was uh, really astonishing. In fact, I remember walking down Henry Street one day in Dublin and turning because uh, turning down a side street because there was a group of workmen there and I just didn't want anybody to see me on this phone I was so embarrassed about it. Oh, that's amazing I, I obviously talked to Pat Kenny about this because he was one of the first people as well and he talked about how big and hefty it was like although it was a mobile telephone it was just about mobile yeah well <laughs> You know, it, the, I was I had the one from the movies, you know, okay. I had the one from if they had one on Back to the Future, that was the one that uh, I had. So it was a, a, a brick in this uh, kind of textured grey uh, with little air, rubber aerial on top. And I have to say, I loved it. I, I just loved it. And the idea of even at that stage of first of all, having that number, but the big change was. All your work was done during the daytime. You did not come home to an answering machine full of messages for a short while. You could deal with things on the go. And when it came to knock off that, which was kind of generally very late for me anyway, because I'm a bit of a workaholic, but everything was done, taken care of. And there were no fears, as I say, left by recorded voices, uh, by uh, uh, people around the country wondering why you haven't turned up that day. 
that's that that is a pretty big leap what phone do you use now i use a it's i am an apple nerd uh because it's they made it very easy so i use whatever i always try and get the latest okay um uh, on an apple so i have an apple mind you i'm so bad about these things jess i signed up 10 years ago okay um for a lease thing in london when i had my studio in london and i'm still on the same contract <gasps> leasing a terrible phone 10 years because i can't find the phone number of the people i've signed up with and every time i go into one of those shops they say oh no oh no that's a third party thing and i can't get out of it god oh my god paying over the years and i'm stuck with that so i take the sim card out of that buy the new one and um uh, and use that but my big thing is an ipad when that came out my life changed are you an ipad pro person yes mm-hmm. yeah and again i'll be top of the range i'll be the data thing i'll be everything with that and it's it's really all i need but my whole life uh, whether it is professional or social runs from that pad yeah we we did um we have a new youtube series called tech bites and i put up, i put the ipad pro up against the ipad air and i actually was thinking of people like you when i was talking about the ipad pro because i imagine and i could be wrong here but do you have like a lot of plans do you have a lot of things that you need the big screen for that you can zoom in on the detail obviously the screen looks amazing so if you have pictures everything just looks stunning on it Yes, I, I kind of have that, but more it's the photo library in the cloud thing. So I have about nearly 200,000 photographs. I brought it into Apple one day when uh, it wasn't working very well before the cloud. And they said, we've never seen this amount of content stored on, uh, on a phone. <laughs> so it's not movies, it's not games, it's pictures of bloody gardens from design and stuff. <laughs> and I go through all those photographs, every single one of them fairly regularly and try and keep that uh, updated. So yeah, I sketch on top of photographs. I sketch with my finger, I sketch with the Apple Pen. I work on vague plans and then I send all that off. Um, you know, within the one 20 minutes, and it comes back to me on the iPad. And now, uh, of course, also, you know, drone shots and videos. And it's had an extraordinary effect on the way I work and how I can remain connected, not just with my team, but with other professionals in this area around the world. Yeah, no, it is. Like, I think once you find what your device is, some people it's the phone, some people it's their laptop, some people it's the iPad. Once you find that, I suppose you can't really imagine living without it. Um, We spoke a little bit about this already, but what's your relationship with social media? Is it something that you just use for professional reasons? Do you enjoy it? Do you like what it's doing to, to society? I, my relationship revolves just around Instagram. I think I may be on Twitter and I may be on Facebook, but I've forgotten the passwords. Um, so it is just a, a, around Instagram because it's such a visual medium. I find it a little bit of a challenge when they change their systems or they change their colors. Or the, mm-hmm. But actually, interesting, that's one of the... I have never understood Facebook because I don't find it a well-designed site mm-hmm. and I don't like the colors and I don't find it easy to navigate. And it turned me off straight away. And I don't understand how, how, how it works. So Instagram is my thing, but you do... I, I find it a very friendly, welcoming uh, place i do get involved in the politics uh of gardening so i do have vigorous let's say conversations on it 
uh, about e e equality and in our, there isn't great equality in gardening and a lot of people are by design left out and that annoys me. So I do challenge the people who are in charge through Instagram. Uh, we do that on our broadcasts, our true posts. So I won't, uh, I, I won't avoid um, controversy if it's there, if it's for the greater good. But in general, I have a great relationship with it and it enhances my life enormously and more and more, especially during lockdown, uh, that idea of being an influencer because our numbers are going up. So more and more work is coming in through things like Instagram. So, so when you say, and I just this is a, a slight tangent, but when you say about the gardening inequality, what exactly do you mean by that? Um, what do I mean? The plants that we grow for our own benefit in this part of the world, whether to eat or whether to admire or whether to use to make beautiful gardens, don't come from these islands. They come from everywhere else. So we have this remarkable temperate climate, which means we don't get the extremes. It never gets too hot, too cold, too wet or too dry. It means we can grow plants from everywhere. Obviously not all plants. Plenty are too tender to be outside all year round, but a lot of plants. So we welcome those plants. We have gone for hundreds of years and plundered lands. We have named these plants after Irish people, after British people, after Swedish people. We have completely neglected where they come from, how they were used traditionally and what they were called. And yet we form organizations like the Royal Horticultural Society. We create shows like the Chelsea Flower Shows that are overwhelmingly white and are by design um, set up to be exclusive. Uh, so it is just people like me it is changing a little bit but it's changing very slowly and it's not something any you know, that people would think about but gardening the way we do it is inherently racist and that's an amazing thing to think in this country for instance we have a popula population of traveling folk and i don't know of any prominent any voices from traveling people who would garden uh, I don't know of any voices from the what we would term the new Irish who would garden. I'm beginning to see it in music and um, other areas of the arts and maybe a little bit in business uh, and in some other creative industries, but not gardening. So it is very important if you have a voice to challenge and to talk about these things, even if people don't want to listen at the moment. Yeah, that's a really good point and well made. I think, you know, the diversification and the inclusion of different people from different backgrounds, whether that is race, socioeconomic, gender, whatever it is, the more voices you have, yes. I think the more, you know, the, the more 360 your view of things will be, which can only be beneficial, particularly if you're looking to develop the sector that you're passionate about. So I think it is great that you talk out about it. Um, Dermot, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. As I said, I'm hooked on Dirt, your podcast with Paul. I love the Instagram uh, feed. It is just a place of pure joy. And it is always an absolute pleasure to talk to you. So thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. Lovely to talk to you. And we are also having a festival in September in County Kerry where all of these people from Instagram are coming together. So if you're in Kerry 10, 11 or 12th of September in Balance Skellings, we'd love to see you there.
Oh, listen, I'm going to just book those dates off right now. Uh, Dear McGavin, thank you so much. Thanks, Jess. And that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. Don't forget to search and subscribe to Tech Bytes on YouTube. You can just search for News Talk, hit the red button and a new video will appear every two weeks. John Fardy's up next here on News Talk. I'll chat to you next week.